Welcome to Day Zero Update for January 29th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Daniel Victoria. And yeah, we got a big week of news. Uh, a bunch of stuff has happened. Uh, the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct happened. Uh-huh. Given a glint, given us a glimpse of like what to expect, at least over the next uh, five months or so, mm. uh, for games that they are putting out, and one that they decided not to give a date for some reason. Mm. Uh, but we got a number of games being announced, given dates and such. Uh, a delay here. There's an anniversary stream happening in a couple days uh, for a publisher that might be pretty interesting. And uh, then we got some bad uh, business news. Mm-hmm. Uh, a certain person is resigning from their studio that they founded. Yeah. Uh, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And more bad Blizzard news. Mm. Uh, particularly the Blizzard side of the company instead of the Activision side. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a few reasons. We'll get to that later. But uh, yeah. before we do, we'll talk about what we've been playing. Uh, and I'll kick it off here with Hitman World of Assassination. Got its uh, big freelancer mode updates, uh, as well as the name change in the process. Mm. Uh, that gives everybody that owns Hitman 3 uh, the maps from Hitman 1 and 2. Uh, mm. So that's for the freelancer mode. They can all uh, experience the uh, the mode to its fullest extent. Mm. Uh, and freelancer mode is essentially kind of a roguelike uh, version of Hitman, uh, where you uh, go into your your home base or whatever your lair of uh, contracts, where you pick amongst eight different contracts, mm. and it escalates with each. Uh, I guess they kind of call them campaigns, essentially uh, going mm. against one of eight syndicates. And the first one is three missions, so you generally want to pick. Like three maps you're going to be pretty confident in yourself being able to do. And uh, each mission, it'll tell you, like, hey, here's how many targets, uh, how many... There are sometimes safes that you have to look around for uh, notes or, you know, something to give yourself information for how to hack it uh, and open it to get the contents. I've only done it once, and it was uh, a coin they call Merce's coin. M-E-R-C-E-S, that is a form of currency in the game. You also just have straight money that you get for uh, finishing each of the missions. Mm. And uh, what else? There are sometimes merchants in them that will sell you guns and such that you can't get in the map. Uh, And uh, the other one is a, I guess like a a chest you'll find in the map Mm -hmm. uh, that have... Uh, you know, three random items uh, that you can uh, collect to use in your mission or not use and sort of keep in your collection of weapons uh, in the in your lair uh, kind of things. And it seems like the the choices for targets are pretty random. Mm-hmm. That they're secrets, you know, uh, syndicate members. Mm. Uh, but it might be, you know, people that are not the main targets that those maps would normally have. Mm. Uh, So I played uh, a good bit of this uh, through the first set of, uh, of uh, campaign stuff. Uh, So three missions and then uh, it escalates to four, then five, then six uh, for getting through the whole thing, which gets to be a tougher 
mm. as you know, taking on six maps. Uh, you can play them in any order. It just you may have the the numbers change up, and uh, maybe the the it gives you some side objectives to do. Uh, one of the missions I had that was particularly tough was tough was taking place in Bangkok. That is the the hotel, the two sided yeah. hotel. That uh, one of my uh, objectives was not getting into combat, so basically not getting uh, noticed enough that raised people to just start shooting at you. Uh, one of my other ones was no bodies found, which I was doing pretty well until I ran into a point where uh, one of my targets was on the top of one side uh, where the ability to get up there is very restricted. Uh, the, the, the last objective I had was use only one costume uh, for that mission. And that was definitely the point where uh, it was kind of a no win scenario in this sense. Uh, so uh, there's not one costume that can let you get around that much freedom that's easily accessible at this point. Uh, I could have maybe figured it out just by going in that area and eventually killing the right person that would let me get up to that top part. Uh, but that was uh, not to be, I ended up just killing a bunch of people because uh, that was an easy way to thin out the security. Uh, which mostly worked. Uh, there was it was fun to be just uh, killing people, running away, and letting people discover. Oh, there's a dead body, and what's going on? I don't know. This just keeps happening. Maybe we should stop, you know, recording this album because mm. uh, people keep dying around here. But no, they just kept going. Uh, so yeah, I ended up killing that. And the other guy was just hanging out in the out front in the the hotel that was mm. just also surrounded by a bunch of people. And that was uh, an unfortunate place to have it as well. And that's kind of the, the challenge of the whole mode is it's not the, the main targets that you see in these stages. So it adds a lot more challenge and uh, really test your skills as a hitman mm. uh, of sorts in this game. And that's definitely the big challenge. Um, I think I was playing through the first three uh, one of them was Colorado, which is a, a very tough map uh, that is very compact and dense with people. Uh, luckily, one of my targets was hanging on the outside, but I couldn't find good enough cover to take them out. Uh, I think one of my objectives there was to use a dart gun, a poison dart gun mm. that I never used before to take out a target. Uh, but ended up, you know, having a dart gun shooting at somebody that was in sight of somebody else. Uh, mm. that ended my run there. Luckily, if you die on a regular stage, you get you know a second chance to continue on. Uh, but obviously, if you uh, that was part of the that was my second one of three, so I had to uh, get down and uh, pay attention for the last one. Uh, which the final missions are like showdown missions, they call them. I think uh, where essentially you are just giving you don't know exactly who your target is. Uh, specifically, it'll highlights like four uh, might change depending on the map or how far you get in. I think if I got, I'm on the second tier on the final mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it says it would be six potential targets. And it just gives you a bunch of like clues of like, oh, they have uh, my first one was they have red hair, they have a hat on, they have glasses, they have a tattoo, uh, they like to read books and eat sweets. And so you're like tailing these people, trying to figure out like what they're doing, 
they do have the ability to spot you in any outfits, I believe. Uh, so you have to be very careful. And yeah, I eventually followed around enough. I was like, I'm pretty sure this one is the one and managed to like use a coin to trick them down a hallway that nobody was in. And that one, I had a challenge for a special kill with a melee weapon for like a, a rare or higher weapon, uh, which I managed to find a sword in a part of the map. So uh, I took that and stabbed him in the back. <laughs> uh, uh, basically like through the back into the, the torso, you know, out the front kind of thing and just ran away and got to an escape spot. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. It's a really cool mode. It does a lot of fun stuff. Uh, every time you have a successful mission, you come back, it'll give you a free uh, of your uh, secondary items. You know, like your rubber ducky grenades and uh, poison pills and explosives, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so you have a limit for, uh, how much you can bring in. It starts off at like five points and like a, a basic pistols, three points. Uh, and the, you have for, uh, in, and, uh, in your lair at all times is a garrot wire. That's a stethoscope that you can use as that, uh, that is two points. And so I opted kind of most of the time to not bring anything in unless I, uh, knew, uh, where I could go to get certain things. But they do enough of a job to really fuck with your uh, your expectations of what's in the map. Uh, so I got one in Zapienza for using an explosive to blow open a safe. And I knew in that map there's an explosive golf ball in the apartment that they give you access to. And so I went up there, eventually found my way up there. And it's not there. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit. I should have maybe brought an explosive device with me. That kind of thing. Uh, so I ended up not bothering with the safe and just taking out the target. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the objectives are tough. They're, they're there to put extra challenge on you and, you know, make you actually learn how to be an effective hitman in this game. Mm. Uh, using your stealth, your costumes, your ability to direct attention around, uh, all that kind of stuff to great effect and, a lot of people are finding out they're not very good at the game. Uh, <laughs> that they, you know, can manipulate things just for the the set targets that you know uh, that set themselves up in obvious ways. But what about these random NPCs that maybe just be out in crowds? That are how you're gonna deal with that as a, a challenge? And a lot of people are finding out like, oh, they're when it's not all set up for them when they're not these, you know, story. Uh, missions you can do that will set you up for taking out somebody or mm-hmm. you know, put you in a good position to do that stuff that maybe they aren't as good as they think they are. Mm. And so that's kind of the the other fun points. And yeah, for completing missions, you get XP as you level up. It'll open up other parts of the lair. Uh, I leveled up enough to get open up the uh, the outfit room that lets me change into any of the other outfits I have unlocked. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, doesn't really change too much uh, for things because those are not going to be really effective uh, tools for killing some of these people, but they're good enough for the start. Yeah. Uh, but I also had uh, these points where I could put up posters, and they're very much those kind of sassy, ironic posters 
that are, you know, referencing things you do as a hitman. Like, uh, don't lose your head. Mm. You know, uh, very kind of dark humor things. It's a bunch of those uh, on each of them. So I have two of those up. Uh, still looking to put more time and unlock the other stuff. But I believe if you fail, uh, they have alert missions, mm. which is where everybody's on higher edge. And if you fail those missions, you end your campaign. Uh, I believe start over from scratch, uh, from the first set of uh, of uh, syndicates, missions, whatever, uh, the three set. So definitely going to be a challenging thing, but I'm looking forward to put more time into that. Gives a uh, fresh new life to the to the games and new ways to play these maps. So that's an awesome thing. Uh, let's see the other game I've been playing, Haiku the Robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Metroid like that came out last year indie game that is a two-man project uh one dev uh did all the programming and sort of game design stuff and had another guy Mm. that worked on all the audio and soundtrack stuff uh looks really nice they described as like a game boy Mm. style i don't think it's necessarily that level of graphical style it's more advanced but it's each of the areas has kind of a bit of a monochromatic style to it uh, and you'll notice just in the, the backgrounds will be, you know, orange in this area, very shades of orange and, you know, black uh, kind of thing. And you'll know when you're in sort of thematically different areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen like a blue area that it has a lot of water stuff and as a robot, uh, that is a bad area. You fall into the water, you, you die mm. uh, kind of thing. Uh, but this game is very much in the Hollow Knight mode of metroid likes uh but not as harsh as that uh for the most part uh it does get a little bit harsh in that the save points are fairly spread out uh and you know it has uh, a lot of points that you can just drop into pits that you know don't have an end that kind of thing uh you do lose a, a chunk of your health for that but much like hollow knight you can kind of refill your health uh whenever you want it does take time and makes you vulnerable if you're in an area with other enemies uh but the game does a good job of keeping enemies from respawning just because you left and entered a room mm. you know, re-entered the room uh it gives a little bit of time out so if you're uh doing some puzzly stuff i've been in an area where there's you see two like hallways on top of each other that have uh levers levers in them that one opens the the door to the other room and then that one has a lever that opens the door in the previous room uh kind of thing and being able to take out the enemies once and hop back and forth without having to fight enemies again uh is nice uh it does have a little bit of map uh obscuring to it uh, where you get two sections of the map where you just don't have it and that's in uh the canon for the world there's a machine that's pre- uh preventing that uh, so if you're in the, the particular area where that's at, you'll see like a pulsing uh, uh, thing happening. And you'll just follow that to the area where that thing is at. You can break it, and then next time you look at the map, it'll fill in that area for you, uh, at least the places you've been. But you don't have to like go buy stuff from a a map maker and then pins and such to fill out the map, uh, though you do kind of get some stuff like that but it's just for you talk to people and one person will put on that you know map pins for all the save points mm. that kind of stuff um 
any other thing is that it uh, uh, it has a very kind of similar combat system to it uh, for the way it's doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've got the the wall jump right now. I'm working on the third boss, I think. Uh, this was the first game since I got my Steam Deck that doesn't have cloud support because uh, I wanted to play it on. I streamed it on my PC and then wanted to play on my Steam Deck, and so I had to start over in that sense. Uh, that was unfortunate. Um, so that was a little annoying, but now I kind of know what I'm doing, so I don't have to waste time you know, looking in places that are not going to be uh, all that helpful. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, it's it does a good job with that stuff. Uh, you get a little bit of story of, you know, things are going wrong here uh, with the various robots, and there are other ones you'll meet that are, there's like a detective that's also trying to figure out what's going on uh, here that's causing issues, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're working your way around to see what this, this like corruption that's going on. Uh, it seems like there is the bosses are machines that have been taken over by this corruption. Mm-hmm. And then as you kill it, it you know, it flies away to go mess things up elsewhere. So yeah, it's one of those it has a nice style to it and all that. Uh, very good game. Looking forward mm-hmm. to put some more time into that. Uh, let's see. Also been playing persona three portable. Uh, I finished the, the first part of the Tartarus uh, dungeons, uh, beating the final boss there. Uh, Playing this after having played, you know, four and five, it's definitely easy to see like where those games improved upon this formula. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a bit bare bones. Like you can't, you don't have the the weakness and strength uh, information thing uh, that fills in as you use those different spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to ask. Uh, I forget what her name is Mitsuru. I think uh, mm-hmm. that. Uh, is sort of your overseer mm. in the in the Tartarus. You have to ask her to analyze that enemy, and then if you don't kill him before she can do it, uh, she will tell you like, "Here's what their strengths and weaknesses are," uh, kind of thing. That's how you fill that out. Versus in Persona Four and Five, it just fills it in as you go, mm. so you can so you can try that stuff out a little bit more. So a lot of the enemies I've been facing in this first section already figured out that stuff. Uh, I think one or two I haven't, and that's because I can literally wipe them out in one turn before mm. she can do anything. And so that's a sign that, like, ah, you don't really need to know it because uh, mm. they are just super weak. But, yeah, it's uh, it's still a good battle system. Obviously, they've improved things so that you can have full control of all your, your party members mm. uh, versus having characters be AI-controlled. Uh, that was definitely an issue for some people back in the day. Uh, but yeah, this is a pretty straight PSP port. There's not too much that is uh, changed, really, with this game. Uh, even still has the, the same kind of blocky character models and such that uh, that were in there for the PSP version. Mm. Uh, and even so, like seeing things like the... When you get to the point of having to pick a sports club, uh, I was like looking up, like, what are the characters for each of these teams? And it's like, no, it's the same one for all of them. Uh, you get the this the one social link for taking any of them, and it's like, well, that mm. definitely changes in Persona Four and Five. Uh, where you're like, well, I don't want to be with the assholes in this club, uh, so mm. which one of these is the better one? But here's just like, ah, it doesn't matter. They're all the the same people, 
And also you get one for like a random guy at the school that I'm like, why the fuck do I care about this person? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenji, which is like a weird thing, but still a good game. Still that got the, a lot of good stuff there. The only, the only really walk through things I've been using is just for quiz stuff. Mm. Uh, Cause I don't really want to bother trying to figure out, you know, things that are probably easier to know in, if you were, you know, schooled in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are specific to their culture. Uh, so that's the, uh, the one issue with it, but for the most part, it's pretty nice. It has a lot of, you know, bonus things. You can pop out of the dungeons much more easily to save your progress, mm. uh, especially at certain points. And so, yeah, it is a very fun game. Still looking mm. forward to putting more time into that as well. Cause I, I forget when I dropped off last time I tried to play. Maybe when I got to the kid. Mm. Uh, I think that was maybe around where I ended up not coming back to it. Not for any reason, just being busy with stuff. Uh, the last game I'm playing, Super Stardust Portable. This was on one of the uh, PlayStation Plus Premium games uh, for the, the classics back in, uh, I think, like October, September last year, pretty early mm-hmm. on. Uh, initially it was only like PS5 only version mm. uh, and didn't have any trophy support, but recently they uh, kind of fixed all that, uh, added trophy support mm. and released it as a full PS5, PS4 version uh, as well. That was free if you owned it originally. Mm. Uh, so I officially purchased it for free as cross buy. So that was fun. Uh, this is a version of Super Stardust HD on the PS3. Uh, the big issue is that uh, being a PSP game, not having dual analog sticks, uh, they've mapped out all that stuff to the face buttons. Mm. Uh, so you don't necessarily have free aim of your weapons. It's sort of an eight direction thing based on uh, you know how many face buttons you're holding down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hold two to do diagonals, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, if you hold down all of them for the gold melter, uh, which is the big laser that melts the gold asteroids? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll it'll do a spin uh, around you because that was one of the the tactics you could use for that one to give you uh, a bit of of a defensive armor, essentially for some of the uh, enemies or when you had a bunch of gold asteroid pieces flying around, uh, that kind of thing that lets you do that and. Yeah, been enjoying uh, earning those trophies. It's a lot of the same stuff that was in the PS3 version mm. uh, originally, uh, since it's basically the same game. You know, once for beating each of the worlds in arcade mode and getting various other things throughout. So nothing too difficult, but yeah, looking forward to playing some more of that and get some uh, mostly easy achievements. But mm. that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Well, uh, I played and I finished uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh, earlier this week. Um, and yeah, it's just, it was an amazing game pretty much all the way through. Um, I will say, you know, again, if you are the type of person who does not like cutscenes in their games, you're probably not going to like this one because it is just, it's got a bunch of cutscenes in them. Um, some of which last about half an hour. Um, but the good thing is, it's a damn good game, and the story it's telling is just really good. Um, and it's got probably one of my final, one of my favorite final boss fights in just all of gaming. It's, 
incredibly just psychedelic and it's like a marathon where you have to fight this guy in like five different forms and then it opens up and there's like this huge epic battle that's happening around you while you're fighting this guy and you end up calling in like a bunch of the friends and teammates that you know temporary people that you've teamed up with for the final battle it's just it's it's amazing um and it ends just on a perfect note it also kind of sets itself up for what may or may not be the next game in the Xeno series. I'm not even sure if they're going to keep with the Xenoblade name. They might move on to something else at this point. But, um, yeah. Um, so since that was done and I needed to fill the, the RPG hole that was in my heart at that point, I decided to take advantage of Game Pass and uh, start playing Persona 3 and 4. Well, Persona 3 Portable and 4. Um, so you're filling golden. your hole both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Persona 3 Portable, of course, is the PSP version of the game, which means that unlike the game you would have played back in the old days, uh, this one, they basically took turned a big chunk of it into a visual novel, which is, you know, fine, um, because, you know, it's still Persona 3, but not quite as much of, you know, the walking around and stuff you might be used to. Um, but it's still, you know, Persona 3 and all the stuff that you love it for, but really I've mostly been playing Persona 4 Golden, um, which, you know, I have not played Persona 4 in a long time, not since, you know, it was on the PS2. Um, and, you know, I was wondering, you know, you know, was I going to be able to remember any of this game when I started it up? And then Nanaka shows up with her dad, and I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I remember. I remember all of it. Um, but... It is, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, I will say, I forgot how long it takes for that game to really get started. Um, I mean, and Persona 5 is kind of like that too, but it actually gets into the action pretty quickly. Um, not Persona 4. Persona 4 takes its time sort of setting up the whole, you know, place, you know, like, this is what Inaba, what Inaba is like, this is all the people who live here, this is where you're going to school, this is where you're going to live, these are the people you're going to school with, these are the people you're living with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I only started doing, like, the first actual dun dungeon last night, and uh, yeah, it's about as, you know, fun and challenging as I remember it being. Um, I will say one of the big differences here is that, um, considering it's obviously a improvement over the original, um, all the models definitely look better, but they also kind of have like that Cupid doll sheen on all of their models. So you can definitely tell that this was a sort of a semi remaster of an old PS2 game. Um, but everything else is still just a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing. So, Dandre, what about you? Yeah, for me, it's not uh, been much different from last week. Um, I finally finished a space for the Unbound uh, yesterday. Um, I mm -hmm. talked about it last week. Like this game was developed by Mojican Studio. Um, they're known for shorter, but at the same time, um, more out there games as far as story. Uh, like a few weeks ago, I finished um. What's it called? Um, the, the name escapes me. Like uh, so somewhere was still there or something like that. It was when the past was around. Sorry, mm. and, uh, that game was about like 
this woman who lost her love, which was an owl. But um, it was pretty funny. It was it, it was a point and click game. So um, the space for the unbound is a side scrolling uh, puzzler where um, the gameplay loop is really like very Animal Crossing ish. You're just going around different parts of the map, finding items to um, you know re- re- really move the story forward. And this game is a lot longer than uh, every game that this studio has created. Like um, it took me around eight hours. There's five chapters and then. Uh, a really really short prologue and yeah it's 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 a pretty captivating story and um what really sets this one apart is um it it really shows like uh the differences in like culture and um what to expect in uh, a place like indonesia um at the end of the day you are using this high school student who is helping this little girl try to finish her story and then at the same time he's caught in this like sort of anachronism where he ends up traveling through time and learns like the truth about certain characters around him. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're pretty much like this, this girl's boyfriend. And then this girl has all, all these powers and the more she uses her powers, uh, the more she gets hurt. And then you, you try to just figure out things in, in, uh, uh, in relating to, to, to the story through that. Um, but what really sets this game apart is the fact that every chapter feels like some sort of other game. Um, so as I explained, like, um, for the most part, it's a side scroller where you, you, you just do favors and stuff, but then the puzzles, um, get pretty out there. Like in the second chapter, uh, you have to find evidence and then all of a sudden bring them to court and like, just find contradictions contradictions and testimony, which is, you know, that's Phoenix, right. And then there's, the, the, uh, there's a lot of like funny, um, dialogue to go along with that. And then, uh, the following chapter, um, you have to, um, all of a sudden get in these, in these random battles with them, uh, people like in that world. And the battle system is pretty much like similar to what you'd see in a fighting game because you have to put in certain button commands, but then it's also turn-based and you defend yourself by using sort of a, uh, a golf timing mechanism. So seeing like all of these, uh, gameplay nuances like melded into one is, uh, definitely a fun experience. And at the same time, you're also getting a lot of the polish that you wouldn't expect when a game melds genres the way that the way that this one does. So it kind of reminds me of um, it takes two in that regard, obviously, uh, except for the fact that. Um, but yeah, a uh, really fun one. I played it on Switch, so it's definitely it's it's, it's not going to game not, not going to be a game I uh, platinum. But it's the the game is available on on every platform, and uh, I, I totally recommend it um, if you had the time for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also still been playing uh, Fire Emblem Engage. Mm-hmm. I'm not too far in it because the game is pretty hard. Um, mm. If you were a fan of like the older games back on Game Boy Advance, that's the um, level of uh, difficulty you should expect. Um, like as much as I enjoyed Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, in my opinion, it definitely was the easiest one in the series, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of why it's so so um, playable in the first place. Like, yeah, you have the three quests, but at the same time, since they were like as quote unquote easy as they were, um, it just made it more possible to go ahead and uh, put time to it. Um, this one. Yeah, it's about as challenging as the old ones were, uh, with the main exception being the fact that you still have that time stone. So if you made a mistake and someone dies, you can go ahead and rewind if you fix whatever you did wrong. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, okay, cool, I'm going to go ahead and fix my problem here. And then you see someone else die and I'm playing on permadeath, you know, uh, eventually like that eats up at you. So I'm like, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm at a point where I want to go ahead and just uh, lower the game, lower the game's difficulty. But I don't know. I'm a prideful person and we'll, we'll, we'll see what I get with that. Um, my brother 
in the meantime, he's he's been playing as well, and he's been doing nothing but skirmishes, which are just like um, events and like uh, gameplay chapters to do that have nothing to do with the story. They're just a way to grind. But the risk yeah. there is that you can die there too. So you know, it's a matter of just uh, really picking your poison as far as like what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but as far as the story, um, I wouldn't say it's much to write home about. It's probably one of the worst Fire Emblem stories in the wild. Yeah, so, it pretty much is. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, it's 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 still solid in 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 in, in the fact where like you know you're you're seeing the the characters actually talk to each other versus in the older games you're just seeing like blocks of text and like it gets pretty boring. Um, but other than that, like the the Fire Emblem loop is is just as familiar as it's ever been. Um, I'm I'm just like not sure if I'm into um really the uh, the point where they're really trying to push the story or the characters like. Um, so far, I'm not. I haven't grown attached to any certain character in the game yet. And at the same time, um, in between every uh, battle you finish, you have the opportunity to free roam and talk to everybody and like find items there. And it just doesn't seem essential. Um, mm. You can talk to um, characters that you use to like kill others, and they give you this item that you can use to upgrade them later. But other than that, I don't really feel much of a reason to uh, go ahead and do this. In fact, when I think about it. That was probably the weak point in Fire Emblem Three Houses too. I actually was not a fan of 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 running around it, even though like it was something that I I welcomed. This one just seemed mm-hmm. forced. It doesn't really feel necessary at all. Like I I would rather just go through the menus, but I don't know. That's just me. Um, aside from that, like I I, I still think the game is worth the money. It's a good Fire Emblem experience, and I'm having fun. Um, but you know, it, it's not going to be the story that keeps you in. It's going to be the fact that you know if if you love the Fire Emblem combat. This is, you know, this this is up there with the best. So yeah, there's that. Um, and then lastly, last night I started um, Hi-Fi Rush, uh, which was shadow dropped um, a few days ago after the mm-hmm. Xbox Corporate Direct. And I am having a whole lot of fun with this game. Um, developed by uh, Tango Gameworks. The last yep. one they did was uh, The Evil Within. Well, no, they did The Evil Within, and then they did. I think it was uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. And Ghostwire Tokyo, like, um, I thought was solid. I never finished it just because, like, I didn't really think the, uh, um, the combat gameplay like was all that fun. And then um, the the world um, around it, like, it made it seem like an open world, but it really wasn't because a lot of the stuff was locked. And like, I I eventually fell out of favor with it. And then the Evil Within is, you know, um, uh, first person, uh, somewhat scary, and, and that sort of stuff. And Hi-Fi um, Rush is nothing like those at all. Um, the game is just uh, a crazy load of like both music and like awesome animation uh, that's reminiscent of like sort of some anime with some elite beat agents built in. And I'm not just saying that for the music, like the um, the game just has that cell shaded like comic-y look that just looks awesome. And it's uh, definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, the, the the gameplay itself is uh, pretty darn solid. You know, it's it, it, it's a third person action game, uh, very much in the vein of a platinum games kind of kind of title, except that the um, combat doesn't feel all that fast because it, it's actually rhythm based. Um, everything is by the beat. Um, if you continue to you know fight by the beat, you, you get more points, you do more damage, that sort of thing. Every sort of section has a grade where um, if you the, the the better you do, the more points you get, which you can you can go ahead and use to. Uh, have better equips and things like that. And yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. There's a whole lot of attitude here and I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into it. My main gripe is that the levels seem a little long. Um, the first level, which is really just an introduction, took me almost an hour to finish and I didn't die. 
So that just shows like how much fluff there can be in each level. And then the platforming doesn't feel all that great either, just because like it feels like there's too much um, gravity going on. But you know, that's eventually something you get used to. And I'd rather have that than the game be too floaty. So yeah, I'm really having fun with that. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into it. That's about right. it. All right. So yeah, let's get to some news here. And Microsoft has finally announced their next wave of Game Pass games kind of out of the, the typical pattern they've had for the past couple of years, mm. uh, where they typically announce one at the beginning of the month and one in the middle of the month. This one's coming in here last week of the month mm-hmm. uh, in the wake of the developer direct. Uh, so, yeah, obviously Hi-Fi Rush is one of those games. Uh, seems like a pretty solid uh, beat-em-up, rhythm-based beat-em-up. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Goldeneye 007, that's our next story here, uh, is out on Game Pass as of now. No online play for the Xbox version. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I believe the controls are a bit uh, more reasonable than what I've seen people posting lists of way to make the the Switch version uh, play like a a normal first-person shooter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's that. Uh, RoboQuest is out on the 30th mm-hmm. uh, for game preview on the console. I guess it's already out on PC Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, let's see, Blast Your Way Through Hordes of Evil Bots in Procedurally Generated Environments and Solar Two-Player Co-op. Uh, mm-hmm. So that sounds very uh, shootery. I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. a little Left for Dead. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily say too much here, but uh, there you go for that. On the 31st, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition hits the Xbox console. Mm. Uh, so that is the sort of remastered and upgraded version of Age of Empires 2. So I guess they've probably gotten it playing pretty well with the controller. Uh, so there you go for that. Also on the 31st, Inculinati hits Game Preview mm. for console and PC on Game Pass. Uh, that is the uh, yeah, strategy game, uh, but based on an art style. It's ink-based uh, medieval manuscript style. Uh, so that's a neat-looking game. Uh, let's see, also coming January 31st, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, the remaster of the PS3 fighting game, coming to console and PC. Uh, so there you go for that. Uh, Darkest Dungeon for console and PC, February 2nd. Uh, that is a very good but very tough uh, roguelike turn-based RPG uh, that's all about the psychological effects of fighting on your team. Uh, and you have to deal with that and ways to uh, cure the various uh, ills they gain uh, or you know get rid of them for new people that have not been scarred so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go for that. Uh, let's see, Hot Wheels Unleashed Game of the Year Edition, mm-hmm. console and PC, February 7th. Uh, so that is the uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed, the, the fairly popular uh, sort of cart wheel, or cart racing game with Hot Wheels mm-hmm. uh, vehicles and all that. Uh, very much in the the classic kind of, you know, small vehicles and big room kind of thing. Uh, so that's neat. Yeah, that's pretty much it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so that is 
that's yeah, just check and see what else is on here. Nothing really. Uh, so there you go. And yeah, as I said, Goldeneye 007 is finally out now. Uh, I was announced a couple days ahead of time uh, that it's coming out. And yeah, Switch is the only version that has the online play, and that's because their their Nintendo Switch Online app supports that stuff. And I believe it's only with two people. Uh, so kind of leaves a little bit to be desired there. Uh, but yeah, you're not really getting perfect versions or ideal versions of either of the game on either system. Mm-hmm. The Xbox seems like it's the the most solid with an improved frame rates and 4K support uh, and all that's and achievements. So, yeah, there you go. Mm. A way to play that game if you have yeah. those services. Uh, and I believe also it's on Rare Replay. If you have that, you get that as a free update. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are the ways that you can kind of access that. Uh, next, go ahead. Yeah, uh, GoldenEye is a game that like I never really had much nostalgia for, but you know, for those uh, who have uh, the opportunity to enjoy it, good for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I never played it. I was more interested in the uh, the Aki wrestling games mm-hmm. on N sixty four is my multiplayer game of choice. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, for me, it was like Mario Party and stuff. And, uh, yeah, as much as I love those Aki wrestling games, those are probably not going to come. No. But, uh, yeah, what is available now is NBA All World, the new game from Niantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that very much looks like a lot of Pokemon Go stuff, uh, as far as like walking around your world and like collecting NBA players, I guess. It seems like you encounter players and like take them on in challenges or whatever to recruit them to your team. Mm. And I guess you can face other players with your team. It's a bit of a weird uh, idea for this stuff. And also, I guess you get a bunch of gear and apparel to outfit them in uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, So kind of a lot of the same stuff that Pokemon Go does, though the collecting of Pokemon is a lot more simple. Mm. Uh, than this sounds, but if you're into NBA stuff uh, and dealing with all that, that's a neat thing to offer. Mm. Probably would do better than a Harry Potter game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this release is a, is one that uh, is a little close to home. I actually interviewed for a job with Niantic for this particular game. Didn't work out, but uh, mm. yeah, good, good luck to them. It's just, it's really weird. I mean, like, you... Um, you read about all these previews that that are happening for like you know the beta that was out a few 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 uh, few weeks ago as well as like the release now. I haven't um, played the game yet, but like when I try to read about it, I still don't. I mean, I I hope it works out, but as far as it being more successful than Harry Potter, I don't know if that'll be possible. But we'll see. I mean, the Harry Potter game did not do very well at all. No, it did Shut not. Down. Absolutely, down. Like, the Harry Potter game made sense. This one doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Yeah, but this is fitting into the NBA culture kind of thing that. People like, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, another kind of like fantasy basketball kind of thing to it as well. Uh, to counter, I guess, NBA 2K's thing with their mm-hmm. trading cards. They have the screenshots they have here of like the, the overworld stuff. Looks very similar to Pokemon Go. I assume it's using a lot of the same kind of tech mm-hmm. for that. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's the thing. It's on iOS and Android. You can check it out now. Mm. 
Uh, let's see, happening here on the 30th tomorrow. Uh, they are uh, in Nippon Ichi Software, mm. uh, not their American branch, but their Japanese branch, is holding an event at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, to announce uh, a bunch of new games, mm-hmm. merchandise, and giveaway stuff. Uh, be interesting to see what they end up announcing here mm-hmm. uh, for their 30th anniversary. Because they are in the process of like re-releasing a bunch of games, uh, all that kind of stuff, so I don't know what big stuff they have to announce. Uh, they're just in kind of a, an interesting place. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be something interesting to see. Uh, if there is anything interesting, we'll talk about it next week then. But yeah, there you go for that. Uh, for stuff to come here, uh, The Pathless is coming to Xbox uh, Series X and S, Xbox One, and Switch on February 2nd. Uh, so more people can check that out. So that is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that is the the new the the most recent game from Giant Squid. Mm-hmm. Uh, developers that came from uh, that game company making a Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very cool kind of uh, open uh, worldish exploration game. Uh, maybe like a uh, inspired by Breath of the Wild, but taken to its own style. Mm-hmm. of uh, combat and all that. So, yeah, definitely one people should check out uh, if you have not had a chance to play it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of those games that definitely is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and also happening here, coming out February 6th, Yggdra Union We'll Never Fight Alone is coming to yeah. PC as an early access game uh, for at least a few months. Uh, this, yeah. is, this is a Sting game. Yeah, uh, they had their like little weird universe of yeah these like th- I think three games they released around this time frame uh, back in two thousand the Department Heaven series yeah yeah that uh, this was one of them published by Atlas but I believe that those publishing rights have reverted back to Sting because they yeah released a version for Switch a few years ago that mm-hmm. was Japanese only along with iOS and Android versions that were also Japanese only. Yeah. Uh, this release is going to be worldwide, uh, English, yeah. Japanese, Korean, and traditional Chinese language support. Yeah. So I assume if this does well, they'll release it elsewhere. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this one. Um, uh, for those who don't know, the Department of Heaven series is probably, I think, like if anybody has ever experienced it at all, the one game they've probably experienced was they were that kind of sort of obscure little cult game that came out for the DS back in the day called Knights in the Nightmare. Um, and basically, like, the actual games, like, tend to, like, change genre, shift genre a little bit, but uh, a lot of them tend to have, you know, the whole simulation RPG aspect to them. The thing about Yggdry Union is that it's famous for sort of being, like, it starts off with, like, a kind of cliche sort of, you know, sort of this type of... Uh, strategy RPG type story. And then it ends up having like this really dark sort of deconstructed narrative about it. Uh, a lot of moral ambiguity and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those games I've actually been wanting to play for a long time. And I'm glad they're finally making like an actual uh, English version of it. That's going to be readily accessible. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, the last time it was released in the West was on the PSP back in 2008. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a good version, just not everybody has a PSP still. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's also like a, a prequel to this called Blaze Union. Um, and uh, it's also pretty good. Um, and it's also like directly linked to and pretty much gets like ends just where this particular where Igdra Union basically starts. Um, and yeah, it's uh, pretty damn good. I'm legitimately happy that they're finally, you know, making this more widely available and people can finally enjoy this series for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, they're adding a bunch of stuff to this. Uh, rewind function, autosave, uh, conversation log, item hints to extra contents. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Battle speed adjustment function, sound set function, uh, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, addition of free save, so you can save whenever, seemingly even during battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, infinite use of items in easy mode. Uh, you can remove equipment more easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. More compatibility with mouse, keyboard, and controller stuff. Uh, and yeah, adjusting layout of the keyboard buttons. So yeah, seems like they're doing a lot of work to make this a a good version. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably a base to bring to other platforms if it does well enough. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's see here. Yeah, one of the, the bigger PlayStation VR 2 launch titles, the Dark Pictures Switchback, has been delayed to March 16th. Uh, seems like they needed a little bit more time to get it finished in time. Uh, so that is uh, a little disappointing, but also it probably helps them out a little bit because the, the launch window, the the launch week especially, is looking pretty stacked at this point. Uh, with games, uh, I think the count right now for games coming out around that time is up to about 40 as more and more games are getting finished and getting ready for launch. Mm. Uh, so it's building up. These guys probably benefit a little bit from being uh, a few weeks afterwards and getting the uh, the wave of people that have you know enjoyed what they can out of the launch and then waiting for more uh, for this game that's going to fuck people up. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there you go for that. Uh, yeah, WWE finally announced WWE 2K23 mm-hmm. uh, for all the PlayStations, Xboxes, and PC. It'll be out March 17th uh, with John Cena being the cover athlete and, like, the the featured uh, wrestler for their, like, story career stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll go through his career, which... Uh, it doesn't have a lot of huge changes in it. And he started off as like a uh, kind of just a general normie wrestler, and then got the gimmick to be a rest, uh, a rapper uh, mm. for a while. Uh, then, which is where the the spinner belt uh, happens, and then became the default belt for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, and then he kind of became John Cena, the the guy that people love to hate on because he didn't have necessarily the best wrestling skills or whatever. I don't know. It's it was a whole thing. Roman Reigns? No, John Cena. Oh, okay. John Cena. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, it's really just a matter of his rise to prominence so soon. 
Like, yeah, he has, he has a limited move set, but I think it's the fact that he was the face of the of the business so fast, and it just seems like he would never put anyone over. Similar to similar to Hulk Hogan, but um, yeah. Now now you now you can't compare those two anymore. So I won't say anything though. Yeah, he's a much better person. Yeah, uh, especially doing a lot of the uh, the Make a Wish stuff. Uh, he's the person that's done the most of those. I think it's over six hundred at this point mm. uh, for various kids out there. Mm. Uh, though I believe he does have some weird personal life stuff uh, that has led to him getting uh, divorced with uh, whichever Bella twin he was with. Oh, uh, they, they, they never got married in the first place. Yeah, I think they were engaged, maybe they broke it yeah, up. They were engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it was some weird thing about kids or whatever, and he didn't, he didn't want kids, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, for very particular reasons, I think, mm-hmm. but whatever. Uh, they also had a lot of fun together, like made videos of them being basically naked, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that kind of weird shit. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that should be a fun uh, career to go through, mm-hmm. uh, especially because people really like his like rapper era. Oh yeah, yeah, the thugonomics gimmick he had. But yeah. yeah, like this is definitely a good move for two K twenty three. The brand pretty much redid itself uh, last year when they had Rey Mysterio on the cover, and yeah, like like Chris said, like going through John Cena's entire career um, through the various highlights that they'll do in 2K23 will definitely be fun. Um, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to see if they've actually made any advancements with the uh, gameplay mechanics because they definitely turned it around last year. But I I, I still think um, there's some stuff to tweak in order to make it really accessible. Um, and I mean, like accessible, just just from a playability and like you know um, ease of use standpoint. But um, aside from that, like yeah, uh, it's definitely a good move. I'm I'm, I'm looking. For. Yeah, hopefully that AEW game comes out sometime. Yeah, I think it's looking to be like a summer release, something like that. At this point, mm. uh, yeah, it looks like Bad Bunny is a pre-order bonus. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's one of the celebrity people they've had on that was surprisingly good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way that people weren't expecting. Ever since they had Stephen Amell, who plays uh, Green Arrow, um, a, a few years back, you know, he was followed up by Bad Bunny, who you just mentioned, and then now they also have Logan Paul, who you know, love to hate Logan Paul, but he has done a hell of a lot of great stuff in the ring, uh, including mm-hmm. last night in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think they've hinted at him being in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Cody Rhodes will be in two wrestling games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE and AEW. Uh, though, yeah, there's somebody I follow on Twitch that loves to do like CPU matches in 2K22, mm. and he's pretty sure as soon as that this game comes out, there will be somebody they'll make the 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 bruised Cody Rhodes, mm. that giant fucking bruise he had uh, when he tore his pec mm-hmm. and wrestled like way too soon after that. Uh, so yeah, there you go, WWE. WWE 2K23. Uh, hopefully, improve on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, let's see here. Curse of the Sea Rats is out April 6th uh, mm-hmm. for everything. Uh, this yeah. is a Retroidvania uh-huh. uh, game uh, because the main characters are rats. these these <laughs> four prisoners of the British Empire transformed into rats. By the notorious yep. pirate witch Flora Byrne. Yep. And so to regain their human bodies, they will have to fight many dangerous bosses, uncover the secrets 
of the vast Irish coast and ultimately capture the witch who cursed them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can probably guess that these developers are very Irish. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, they are making a game about the, the English Empire. Yeah. Uh, the British Empire. I'm also so, going to guess they're probably furries as well, if I'm, see, if I'm looking at any of these character designs accurately. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. It looks like a good game, though, either way. Yeah. Uh, the, the rats you're looking at are bosses. Ah. Uh, I guess this is also partially a, hey, here's a bunch of the bosses. Uh -huh. uh, and yeah, in the trailer, the animation style looks really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, looks pretty well done. So this is an indie game to keep an eye out for in April, uh, if you are interested in that. So there you go for that. Uh, mm -hmm. Also coming out in April, Cook Serve Forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the latest of the Cook, Serve, Delicious series, uh, mm. potentially being the, the last one, the fourth title. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this one uh, looks to keep the sort of chaos going as you're, I forget if you're traveling in this one, uh, you're going through the bustling solar punk city of Helianthus, Helianthus, mm. uh, so the third game went to a post-apocalyptic America where you ran a, a traveling food truck uh, that had to, like, fights off, like, the mob or whatever as you're driving around. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of weird stuff while you're also doing cooking stuff. Uh, so this one looks to sort of continue a lot of that, that kind of silliness to it mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of new, new things to cook and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go for that stuff. Uh, another one of those. It'll be in early access in mm -hmm. April. A demo's out now. I'll probably do a video for that mm. uh, here in the next few days when I get a chance. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, let's see. Last, uh, next one here. Uh, yeah, that SteamWorld event happened, and the the thing they announced was SteamWorld Build. Uh, this is coming to you know the Playstations, Xboxes, Switch, and PC. It is a city builder. Uh, Coming out sometime this year, they didn't put a date on it or anything, but they do have a Steam demo out now. Uh, I checked out that demo, streamed it earlier this week, and really liked it. Uh, I I am a person that likes the idea of city builders, but do not have not really played much of any of them because you, you know, stuff like SimCity and City Skylines are very bogged down in the details, you know, zoning and. Uh, paying attention to you know the water shelf and making sure you're pumping your sewage out to the right place. Uh, you know, not doing any of that uh, upriver of the water you're pulling in from for your your city, all that kind of stuff. A lot of detail oriented stuff that mm -hmm. uh, requires a lot of work, and uh, I never really get far enough in those games to enjoy uh, that stuff. Uh, but this is uh, more of a very basic city builder. Uh, yeah. You are setting up a mining town uh, outside of, at least in the demo, uh, there may be other areas you can go to at some point. Yeah. Uh, but you're basically starting up in, uh, a mining town outside of, uh, next to some train tracks, a train station, and there's an abandoned mine shaft. Uh, so you're sort of laying down the road stuff and having, you know, uh, uh, machines to start uh, a mill and sort of farming out wood and farming out these different materials 
and then once you get to the point of opening up the mine shaft, you go down into the mine shaft. You kind of build out this whole uh, thing that looks uh, uh, is kind of like a manager version of the uh, uh, the way that like Steamworld Dig works, where you know you're a robot going down to the mines to mine stuff, and then you go up and sell it to buy you know upgrades and such. Uh, kind of doing a lot of similar stuff like that here. But, you know, underground, you're laying down uh, this flooring that sets up, you know, places for engineers to work, uh, prospectors, and I forget what, like, uh, mechanics, uh, so that they can dig out this area. And then you're getting those materials, sending them up up to the surface so that you can turn them into other things, uh, you know, more buildings that you can build and uh, turning that stuff into equipment that you can use elsewhere, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it has a good, good like cadence of moving, you know, above ground to take yeah. care of things and da- and going back down to uh, deal with that stuff. I think at a certain point you'll get enemies showing up, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the the demo uh, that took me about an hour and a half to beat uh, doesn't really get to that point. You basically find some big ancient thing that you know once you fully uh, dealt with it. Uh, it ends right there. Uh, so, yeah, it it has a good cadence to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like in the the city builder part on the surface, you know, you're not really like managing zoning or anything. Uh, you just have to have the uh, the buildings that uh, the people in your like residential houses uh, have them just close enough so they you know get their meet their needs met kind of thing but that's not really too big of a problem you even get the option to move buildings around freely no real penalties for that stuff if you build things poorly uh so yeah it's it's a i think it's a pretty fun game uh, especially for people that like the idea of city builders but don't want to get to all the 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 nitty-gritty stuff that like sim city and city skylines uh revels in that a lot of people like in, in those things too be as realistic as possible. Uh, mm. This game likes to uh, not have to make you worry about that stuff too much, mm. uh, which makes for a, a pretty fun time. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's a that's a cool game. That'll be out sometime this year. But the the demo's out now on Steam for people to check out. Mm. Now let's get to our business bullshit of the week. Uh, Justin Rowland has had a bad week here. Oh, yes, he has. As he has been uh, forced out of uh, the Rick and, Mar- uh, Rick and Morty show stuff mm-hmm. there um, from Adult Swim, as well as Hulu's pushed him out of the shows he was working on there. Uh, so that's uh, uh, mainly in response to domestic abuse charges, as well as other stuff that has popped up on social media, implying that he has been... DMing underage girls to uh, talk about sex and stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the sort of creepy shit that no adult should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it came around that he uh, voluntarily resigned from Squanch Games, the studio he founded uh, that worked on High on Life rec- most recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I imagine that's partly you know paying him off to get the fuck out. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, good news, especially for people that you know had been playing high on life, 
heard all this going on, uh, and especially I think Kotaku had an article that was like, oh yeah, Squanch Games had their own like sexual harassment issues, uh, not from Justin Roiland himself, I don't think, but uh, sort of seemed to suggest that they had that kind of culture to themselves back in like 2018. And then they uh, settled with the uh, the worker that filed the complaint kind of thing and not really uh, seemed to imply that they hadn't really done a ton to uh, make a big culture change mm-hmm. there. Uh, so, yeah, didn't look super great for Squanch Games. So getting him out of there hopefully helps uh, show that they are more serious about, you know, having people that are, uh, respectful of their fellow employees, mm. hopefully on the on the up and up as people. So, yeah, good news for uh, the rest of the people that work there. Mm. Hopefully, uh, and you can go fuck off with all his money mm-hmm. for a long time. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we even have to be talking about something like this again and like so frequently. Like you know. Yeah, I I get it. Like allegations are allegations, you know, innocent until proven guilty, all that all that garbage. But at the end of the day, like you know, these allegations don't come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like you know, obviously I don't know Royland personally, but a lot of the people that he's worked with in the past um, have had like these issues. So to say that this is surprising or it would 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 not be true at all. Um, but at the same time, like it's not that hard to not be a shitty person. I'm not saying be a saint. I'm not saying be someone that'll win the Nobel Prize. I'm just saying don't be shitty. And mm-hmm. you know, it's again, it's 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 not that hard. You don't got to be talking to underage people about sex. You don't got to be you know just doing all this like dumb stuff and like let's say yeah, like let's go ahead and say like he 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 he, he gets away innocent. At the same time like you know Rick and Morty is a very famous like IP all over the world. Um Squanch Games makes some solid games. Like, you know, I I, I, I would have fun with Tyon. And, like, when you have something like this, it dirties your studio. So, like, whether you do this kind of stuff or not, you're making your everybody you work with look bad when they probably didn't even do anything. Mm. And, like, that just sucks. Like, that's selfish. And, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's some good news that these guys can go ahead and work without them, but it sucks that they had to deal with it in the first place. They didn't have to. You know? So, I, I feel yeah. for regard but yeah at the end of the day like they have jobs um it just makes you wonder like you know whether they should just make something new entirely like okay let's phil spencer just uh make them a new one i don't know it's it's complicated yeah Mm. seems like the sort of guy that has gotten away with things for a long time so Mm -hmm. finally getting some sort of consequences is good even though he won't really suffer that much uh, though, depending on what these charges entail mm-hmm. uh, for him legally. But, yeah. There you go. Mm. Now into Blizzard. Mm. Uh, this first one here involves uh, Blizzard uh, having a... Let me see how they call it. Rank stacking or stack yeah. ranking process for evaluating employees mm-hmm. where they are required to rank them on a bell curve and that requires managers to give low ratings to a certain percentage of staff uh, that I guess they've been able to kind of get away with not really uh, following it for the first couple of years, but 
apparently having to uh, be forced to go with this mm. uh, more recently. A manager at uh, Blizzard, I think on the, the World of Warcraft team, uh, was very much not have, happy to have to uh, do this, where they, yeah, managers are expected to give a poor developing status mm. to roughly 5% of employees on their teams, which would lower their profit-sharing bonus money and could hamper them from receiving raises or promotions in the near future. And it's like the idea that you have to give that label to 5% of your workforce even if they're all doing a great job is just a really shitty thing to have to do yeah. to people. And I've definitely, I don't know if I've, if what I was dealing with was stack ranking or not, uh, it was sort of a employee review where they rated people on a number of categories, I think one to five, uh, but they were like, but we don't give out fives because, you know, people can always get better. And it's like, that's fucking stupid as hell, especially when it came to like one of the categories was attendance. So it's like, if I'm here every day, don't call off, don't do any of that, but I can only get a four out of five. Like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm supposed to be a superhero then? Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. It's, it's that kind of stuff that leads to people just getting uh, these dumb readings that is intended to make them feel like shit. Uh, and feel like less of uh, a good employee that they actually are. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that just doesn't, shouldn't be done, uh, like forcing ratings on to people that don't actually deserve them mm. is just classic, like, capitalism bullshit. Uh, I mean, it's to, like, encourage people, like, oh, you can do better. It's like, yeah, of course they can. Everybody can do better, but you know, there is a limit to how much you can do better before you start being like, well, now you need to start crunching to get better. You know, put more effort in that kind of way where, you know, these people don't get paid to work that extra mile of the of the work. You know, they're going to get the paid the same way either way. Mm. And, you know, people are going to do what's best for themselves versus what's best for the company, especially when you're working at a place like Blizzard uh, after all the allegations and such come out. that I'm sure that affected the way people worked even then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brian Birmingham, a co-lead developer on World of Warcraft Classic, got very mad that he was being forced to do this, that he emailed staff uh, last week to express his frustration with the system. When team leads asked why we had to do this, World of Warcraft directors explained that while they did not agree, the reasons given by executive leadership were that it was important to squeeze the bottom most performers as a way to make sure everybody continues to grow. Mm-hmm. This sort of policy encourages competition between employees, sabotage of one of one another's work, desire for people to find low-performing teams that they can be the best-performing worker on, and ultimately erodes trust and destroys creativity. Uh. Uh, he goes on to say he can't work under a system like this, which he and other managers who were asked to keep it a secret had managed to circumvent or skip for the last few years, mm-hmm. but which had recently begun to become enforced. He reportedly told staff he'd be leaving the company if the policy was not reversed, but shortly after the email was sent, he was called into HR and terminated yeah. as a result. So he gets to at least enjoy 
uh, not having to deal with that bullshit anymore. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he had to leave a job that he uh, probably liked a lot. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's uh, uh, good news for him because that'll be somebody else's gain mm-hmm. uh, to hire him for their team and be better for it. Yep. At Activision Blizzard's loss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Once again, we must repeat, um, the, uh, the momentum is on the side of labor right now. And um, you can either get with it or you can get out of the way. And speaking of that, um, yeah, <laughs> Blizzard Boston's developers were in the middle of doing a union drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team that was formerly named Proletariat. Yeah. Uh, oh uh, boy, isn't this isn't this ironic? Yeah. Uh, apparently, oh, would you say it's really thematic thematically accurate? Shall yeah. Say? The the studio's CEO did not like this at all, treating workers' organizing efforts as a personal betrayal and yeah. holding a series of meetings to undermine them, mm-hmm. uh, so much so that they ended up uh, pulling its petition for a union election mm-hmm. uh, to call him out on his bullshit, uh, mm-hmm. uh, saying the spokesperson for the Communication Workers of America Union, mm-hmm. CWA has withdrawn its request for a representation election in the Activision Blizzard's proletariat studio, Mm-hmm. Fortunately, proletariat CEO Seth Sivak chose to follow Activision Blizzard's lead and responded to the workers' desire to form a union with confrontational tactics. Like many founders, he took the workers' concerns as a personal attack and held a series of meetings that demoralized and disempowered the group, mm-hmm. making a free and fair election impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a spokesperson for Activision Blizzard called these allegations false and said Sivak was simply defending his employer's rights to express their opinions on unionization in an anonymous vote. <sighs> Which is like, yeah, that seems like a very Activision Blizzard thing. See, this is uh, one of those things that I freaking hate. You know, they try, they take it personal because they keep trying to convince themselves that the company is like a family. No, that company is not a family. You're the employer, they're the employees. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and that the you can try and pretty it up all you want, but at the end of the day, that's where it all comes down to. Yeah, and that's even for him as the head of the studio, he's only a smaller cog in the bigger cog of Activision Blizzard. Yeah, and so like this unionization is not necessarily a commentary on him, mm-hmm. but more about the heads of Activision Blizzard, mm-hmm. and that's what he doesn't get. Uh, but he's a CEO, the the leader there, so. He doesn't uh, get to be in that union, so may also be jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a CEO, he's probably making more than any of the people there, so yeah. also there. So, yeah. Uh, I guess a number of people spoke out as well, uh, mm-hmm. tweeting about it uh, from within Politariat. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see someone here. Damon, management is accused of misinformation. As noted above, in all four of the optional meetings, there was no anti-union propaganda. Oh, this guy is, let's see, I don't know what he's, this is art director, uh, laid out his version of events. Mm. The long thread is, uh, yeah, leadership sought to inform the studio's employees on topics that nobody was familiar with prior to the union position. These vigorous, their vigorous debates within the BU, many employees in the BU uh, Mm -hmm. explicitly did not want to unionize. There are many who, despite their stance on unions, didn't like CWA's adversarial communication tactics, public attacked workers, and the studio's rep- rep- uh, reputation. 
So that guy's definitely anti-union. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely uh, the whole point of union drive is to let the workers figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to interfere in obvious ways that you are trying to uh, tear down the union. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Activision Blizzard has been failing at oh, with yeah. a number of their unions, but this mm-hmm. one seems to be the first one that was successfully uh, torn down. Uh, so hopefully with a little bit of a break, they can figure out everything without you know, him uh, getting involved uh, and figure out what they really want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Blizzard's having a great time right now. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's it for your Bethesda bullshit news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's uh, end here talking about uh, the developer direct. Uh, they had a handful of games here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one surprise release, uh, but they mm-hmm. start off with Minecraft Legends, mm-hmm. showing off more of that, which seems all right. It's basically mm-hmm. uh, an action RTS, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, where you play a character who sort of gathers units to join you uh, to fight uh, the enemies as PvP mode, mm-hmm. as a campaign mode uh, for all that stuff. Uh, you can have yeah, PvPs, two teams of up to four players each, work together to collect resources, build a base, and lay siege to their opposition's forces. It seems all right. Uh, it'll mm-hmm. be out April 18th uh, on everything, Xbox, PlayStation, Steam and Switch. Uh, it'll also be on Game Pass as well, so you can uh, check that out. Uh, let's see, they had the Elder Scrolls Online Necrom expansion, mm-hmm. uh, which is the next expansion. It'll be out June 5th on PC, June mm-hmm. 20th on PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, that returns to Morrowind. Uh, so there, the chapter introduced. Fans' most requested feature, a new playable class, the Arcanist. Uh, brings new abilities, mechanics, and marks the third new class introduced since the game launch. Uh, so that's cool uh, mm-hmm. for more of that. Uh, yeah, and they also updated the game so that the, the base version includes all past chapters. Uh, it makes all past DLC available to any players with the ESO base game, including those playing through Game Pass. I assume PlayStation Plus uh, Extra, I think it is in there. Uh, so yeah, they also held a global reveal event after the de- developer direct. So uh, there's a whole other video you can watch that has more information on that if you want to. So mm-hmm. uh, that's worth checking out. Yeah, and then they showed Hi-Fi Rush, the, the new game from Tango Gameworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is in a rhythm action game, pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, so that's on Game Pass now for yeah console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they showed Forza Motorsports. Uh, showed how pretty it looks, which it definitely looks pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the only game here that did not get a date. Mm. Uh, despite this this whole event being about games coming out in the next few months. Mm-hmm. So apparently this will be out like in the, the second half of the year. Out of all these games, the one game that you thought would have a date is the only one that would that didn't have one. So I don't know. Yeah, apparently they still have more to go, and it makes sense with what they showed. Cause all they showed was visual stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not show any like real gameplay of you know what the new career mode is going to be like or the online racing stuff. Any of that? It was just all uh, about the fidelity and uh, realism and all that. Mm-hmm. Though people are starting to pick apart that stuff and try to figure out like, are these actual new models or the models that have been in you know the the last several games mm-hmm. that are just upgraded? they kept saying, you know, built from the ground up uh, for n- this new generation. It's like, well, how new is all this stuff? You know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. But people are definitely digging into that. And then they ended on Redfall, mm-hmm. uh, which will be out May 2nd for yeah, Xbox Series X and S and PC. And I believe this is their first $70 game mm-hmm. uh, uh, for this year. Uh, though I assume for the most part will also be seventy bucks and Starfield in that, but yeah, they showed off uh, a decent chunk of I think single player gameplay for this uh, that very much confirmed for me that this is not something I want to play because it's very much like a, a vampire horror game uh, going around the the city of Redfall, uh, taking out vampires that's you know lurking around in many places. Uh, oftentimes, um, probably mostly at night, I guess, since it's a vampire thing. So, and they also have like a let's see, they got yeah the various pre-order bonuses, the bite back edition, their special edition, which adds a hero pass for future additions to your character roster, outfits, weapons, and more. So they'll be adding more content after launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed. Almost like their their vampire version of, uh, uh, what's the what's the zombie game they put out? Uh, let's see, I forget what it's called. What their zombie game is the the Microsoft one. Uh, oh, it's like that, uh, very much, uh, but with vampires, you know, finding vampire nests and uh, all this and fighting big bad uh, vampire bosses, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, seems neat for the people that are into this kind of stuff, but yeah, definitely uh, isn't doing it for me so much. But yeah, I'm assuming that's going to be your thing, Brandon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. It seems like the the multiplayer will make it uh, a bit of a different thing, since you're not going at it alone. Have up to three other people playing with you. Uh, State of Decay. That's the zombie thing. Uh, yeah, so mm. yeah, there you go. Redfall, uh, end of the developer direct seemed pretty all right for that stuff, uh, but not a ton here that like jumped out at me. Uh, I played like five minutes of Hi Fi Rush, I need to get back to it. Uh, just started it up. Uh, the only issue I really had is the I think you push one of the sticks to bring up uh, like a a beat meter. And it kept minimizing it whenever it went into cutscenes when I got back out. I was like annoyed by that, but it took a little break and I'll check it out this week when I got some time. Mm. Uh, that seems that seems like the, the one standout game here. Mm. Most because it stylistically is very different from everything else that's in here. Yep. Uh, Redfall is very much like some of the other stuff Arcane has worked on. Mm-hmm. Forza Motorsport is Forza Motorsport. Elder Scrolls Online is all that. The only thing that was missing from that presentation is 
workers screaming throughout the guy talking about it uh, in the background. Uh, the Minecraft Legends, like another Minecraft spinoff. Mm. Maybe cool, I don't know, for the right audience. But Hi-Fi Rush stood out as something different than they've been putting out for a while for that studio. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, I was just, obviously I was talking about it a um, You really love to see studios do something that you wouldn't expect them to. And making it even more unexpected was the fact that it, it shadow dropped. Um, I know it's been rumored for the past couple of weeks, but the fact that no one knew what it was really helped. And like, yeah, like I said, um, having a lot of fun so far. I know you only played for like five minutes, Chris. You got to give it more time than that to really even get to the first level. But yeah, overall, like I thought the presentation was pretty solid. Um, I think this is the format that they want to be doing uh, moving forward. Uh, obviously, like this one is a, a little different than the rest, but um, I thought it was a good one. And the fact that we got a lot of definitely we can start just plotting dates for what to expect for the Xbox. Yeah, looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah, more dates here than I think they had all of last year. Mm. Uh, I think that was just, I think, uh, Pentiment. I forget what else they had, like one or two other games at all last year. Nothing that really was big for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. That is uh, it for the show this week. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Brandon Danrim for joining. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news as we hit a new month, mm-hmm. uh, February, uh, where things aren't really slowing down for game releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. If you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family know mm-hmm. they should check it out, as well as select strangers. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we'll wish you a good New Year. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a good week ahead. We'll see you all next time. Have a good one.